owners of a direct care practice are more likely to experience higher job satisfaction than the insurance-based practice, and it's no wonder why. Direct care is independent of insurance. Patients pay the doctor directly for their expertise. The doctor gets full autonomy in how they care for patients and how they get paid. We've chosen this path for the love of medicine. This is the direct care way. By listening to this podcast, you may even start to believe you too can have a successful direct care practice. Come listen with an open mind as I share my personal journey on how I pivoted from an insurance-based practice to direct care right in the middle of a pandemic and the valuable lessons along the way. This podcast may be the very thing you need to revitalize your medical practice. I'm your host, owner of a direct care podiatry practice, Dr. T. Nguyen. Hey there, welcome to episode three. So what is it that I actually do as a direct care podiatry practice? I'm so glad you asked. So I'll share with you exactly what I do in my practice. This is a very common question. And I love podiatry because there's so much diversity in what we can do. And even within podiatry, we can sub-specialize even further, whether it be sports medicine, pediatrics, wound care, and so forth. We can really design our practice the way we want to as business owners. And we can definitely do that in a direct care practice as well. A little background, I did my surgical residency in Michigan for three years, and then a year fellowship in wound care in Dallas. Then I held two private jobs, two private practice jobs before I went solo in 2018. I already knew that I wanted to subspecialize. I mean, I chose podiatry in the beginning because that was an automatic specialization, And now I wanted to hone down that specialization even further and just get really good at the few things rather than being kind of average on everything. So that was my thought process. So I really developed a passion for diabetic foot wounds, healing them fast, using advanced technologies and techniques, including microsurgery and the sort. So I knew somewhere in the realm of my practice, this was going to be the core of what I do. When I went into practice, I realized that a lot of the surgeries that I was actually really good at was not going to be supported in the community and would be better served at an academic center. And so there were some things that I had to let go of in order to refine the way I build my direct care practice. So what really happened when my husband finally finished his surgical residency, which was five years, and my training was only four years, we both agreed on taking a job out in California. So I had declined an academic opportunity and made the decision to be with my husband. So that seems to be like the right thing to do. So here we are in California. There was a couple of things that finally dawned on me in private practice. Like a really important one was that I don't have to treat everything. And I wasn't really good at everything that came through the door. Knowing that I can choose what I do, what I treat, what types of pathologies I see, really empowered me to really decide how I wanted to direct my practice. And maybe you've heard this phrase before, there are riches in niches. I knew I really had to hone in on that to make me stand out from my community. 
I'm in a small town, about 250,000 people here. There are a lot of podiatrists and foot and ankle orthopedists here who do an excellent job that I love referring to. I can trust them. They produce reliable results. They are way better at a lot of things than I am. So those get handed off. And what I chose to do in my practice really was to fill a gap in the market of things that wasn't easily accessible to the patient. And I hear this from patients over and over again. Things like they couldn't get an appointment for another three months for foot care. Or they went to... Um, a salon and had a really bad experience and wants to see a doctor instead. Or the other podiatrist just didn't provide the service at all. So that gave me kind of a starting point on where I can hone down on my services that was needed in the community. The end goal of my plan was to keep my business afloat and make money so that I can keep the doors open. So I really had to change part of my identity as the podiatrist who does everything to the podiatrist that does a few things really well. So here are the things that I do in my office. I offer non-invasive therapies, palliative foot care, injection therapy, and minimally invasive surgery. So for me, the greatest joy I have is being able to provide the services within my office, rather than going outside to the surgery center or the hospital, because that was a big expense and it was a big emotional expense. It was time consuming. It was frustrating at times to have no control over if anesthesia was available or the surgery schedule, if that was even available for me and so on. So being able to remove the intermediary has helped my mental wellness by a lot. So what non-invasive therapies do I currently have? Treatment for heel pain that's non-surgical, shockwave therapy, custom orthotics. Maybe you have manual therapy like OMM that could be applied in your practice or scraping therapy where you're using a blunt object to manually scrape the plantar fascia for heel pain or Achilles tendon to stimulate circulation. And that does make people feel really good. And people are paying for it. They're paying physical therapists for these non-invasive therapies, chiropractors for these therapies. So if that's a need in your field and something you want to do, there's a lot that you can add in your practice. And people are willing to pay cash for these services already. Palliative foot care is another one that I offer. I do have a limit on how much palliative foot care I can do because oftentimes I spend about 30 minutes with patients and I do them. Sometimes my medical assistant can do them if they're easy, like they're non-disease and it's a simple nail trim. And it's really nice because I don't have to sit there and try to code the patient for what kind of diabetes they have. Is neuropathy present? Do they have other limiting factors? Like I don't have to deal with qualifiers when I'm relying on, like I would if I was relying on a third party payer insurance. So now patients just come in and they just know to pay. And it's not an issue and I don't have stress about charting or billing or coding or modifying. So I actually love palliative foot care because I can see people who really want the service. Anyone from somebody with deformities in their foot and they can't reach, 
or have special needs or simply just had a really bad previous experience and they want to be seen right away. So that's what I offer here. Injection therapy is a really wonderful tool that I learned along the way. So instead of steroid injections, you know, there's a lot more available to us, PRP, amnio injections, and so forth. Even prolotherapy could be applied. Foot fillers, you know, we have the fat allograft injections now. Um, and then off-label foot filler used for foot pain has also been very successful. I really love offering that because even though I trained to be a surgeon, lots of people don't want surgery. And it took my surgical brain a long time to really get it that most people don't actually want surgery, no matter how good I am. They're, they're always more than willing to pay for non-surgical solutions. So I had to adapt my practice to reflect that, the needs of the community. The last thing I offer, minimally invasive surgery, and that can look like a lot of things. You can be the lipoma expert of foot and ankle or the ganglion cyst, the person that removes soft tissue mass, and you can do that in the office given that you have the proper equipment. I mean, look at Dr. Pimple Popper, how incredible is what she offers to patients in the practice that she has now built. We can have a similar thing. We can do the few things very good. A lot of us are doing tenotomies, and that's an office procedure. It's quick, it's easy, it's minimally invasive. The puncture wound heals the next day, or if you're using an 18-gauge needle, great. That could be the thing that you offer. And I also do bunion surgery, hammer toe surgery, toe deformity surgery, anything that I can get through a percutaneous incision with the instrument that I have, I offer in the office. Okay, so I already hear your question. How does it work when patient has insurance but you're not contracted with them? For surgeries that I can't perform in my office, I take it to the surgery center that I'm privileged at or the hospital. I still maintain privileges. And it's very simple. I ask the surgery center what their facility rate is for a cash price. And anesthesia has their own fees. And if I happen to need additional equipment that I don't own, then they would charge the patient those fees. If the patient has insurance, then they can bill the insurance if they're in network. So we, we try to make it work for the patient. So my fees between if I were to just do it in the office or a facility is usually the same. But so far since I implemented MIS into my practice, I think I've only had two people request a facility. One because she had to be prone and the other one because she didn't want to hear um, anything, not even a wrapper opening during her procedure. So it's available to them. And I can talk about how I can heal diabetic foot ulcers really fast with MIS because that's the core of what I enjoy doing is seeing people with difficult, challenging wounds that can be in my eyes, easily corrected biomechanically. And that might look like a metatarsal osteotomy in which I can do within a three millimeter incision in the burr that I have, or it could be a hammer toe that needs to be straightened with a tenotomy or also osteotomy. So there's a lot of things that can be done. And those are just the few of things that I currently do. 
So I'm sharing what I do in my practice as a way for you to see how to make direct care podiatry possible. And what works for me may not work for you. Maybe you have some other things you want to offer, like a medical spa where you offer medical grade pedicures and people are willing to pay for that. There's men who need foot care, but they don't want to go to a nail salon because the stigma that it's for women, you know, and men want the privacy uh, for their foot care. And you can offer that in your podiatry practice. So you see, there's so much that you can do in your own practice. And you can really decide if you just want to do like very little, like what I have here, like just a few things and just call it a day. Now, designing my practice this way did take a lot of reflecting. It did take a lot of me just really deciding what is more important to me. Was it important to me to have trauma cases under my belt so that I can get board certification? Not necessarily, because when I did do that, it was awful. And I was not a happy person. I didn't feel like my contribution was that significant. There were other, plenty of other people who were doing it, who had been doing it for a long time, and they would be better served with other doctors who do them. So I hope this gives you some insight as to what direct podiatry care can do. There's no limits. I'm, you're going to hear me say that over and over again. There are no limits to what you can do, except obviously what's within your scope of practice. And the magic is really in what you believe and how you market so that it sounds really enticing for your ideal client. Thank you so much for being here with me today. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please like, share, and subscribe so more people like you can have access to another way of practicing medicine, the direct care way. Let's connect. Find my info in the show notes and send me your questions. It might be the topic for future episodes. And lastly, if you remember nothing else, remember this, you are in control of your life. See you next time.